right. Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. I kind of want to reiterate what JJ said about Wednesday nights. Uh, we're having a blast. Um, I didn't even realize that I was teaching this class with Eddie Creighton, um, but it's, it's a fun time. I've enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love for you to come out and, and talk about the gospel according to music with us. Again, we're meeting on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. I say that all kidding aside, Eddie knows his music, and so I'm thankful that he's there as well. But this morning, I want to continue our vision series by talking about the idea of welcoming. See, one of my favorite things to do at this church is to hear stories. I don't know if you know this, but we have an amazing number of storytellers at this church. Uh, It's honestly one of my favorite things to do to just sit and listen to people talk about the early days of Chanel. And there's two individuals that are great at retelling how Chanel started in the early days, and that's Dr. Kent Westbrook and Eddie Creighton. Those two have stories upon stories of what it was like here in the early days, especially working with Danny Burleson. And one of my favorite things that they do is they tell these larger-than-life stories about Danny, and specifically how he welcomed people at this church. I heard a story recently from Eddie Creighton that talked about when Danny was really picking up momentum here in West Little Rock, one of the things that he did was he went and called all the other churches and said, who are your members that aren't attending regularly? I mean, it's crazy. I love this story, right? He went around and just asked these other churches, who amongst your flock is not attending regularly? I'm going to call them and get them to come to my church. I immediately went to Wendy Lair and said, is this true? And she says, I don't know if it's true, but it sure sounds like Danny. And I tell that story because that is who Danny Burleson was. He was somebody who was relentless when it came to welcoming people into this community. He didn't care who you were, where you were from, what you'd done. You had a place here at Chanel, and he wanted everyone to know about that. But I don't want to just focus only on Danny because I also had the privilege of working with Bert as well. I loved my time working with Bert. Now, Bert, when he was on stage, was an extrovert. That was one of his, his greatest talents was getting on stage and being an extrovert. It was a performance to him. But you know, Bert one-on-one was an introvert, and he would not care me saying this. What I believe was one of Bert's greatest skills when it comes to this idea of welcoming is that when you sat down and talked with Bert, he was present. Like that is such an amazing quality to have in our hyper-distractive world, that when you talk to Bert, he wasn't distracted by his cell phone, the world around him. He was present in that conversation. And he was a listener. There were so many ideas that I know when I I started here that I know Bert thought was, that was ridiculous, we should never do that. Kids would get hurt. That he would sit there and listen He was a listener. That was who he was and who he continues to be. But I bring up those two individuals who who laid the foundation for Chanel to talk about their qualities of welcoming because their characteristics and their styles help define who we are as a congregation, both accepting individuals, welcoming them no matter who they are, where they're from, what they've done, but also this idea of that you have a purpose and that you are seen here. See, we believe that you are welcome to Chanel with a purpose, not just a seat. If you want to go to a church where you can blend in, where you can sit in this big auditorium and just fade away and have that kind of experience where you go in and out and that's it, 
I mean, we can help you find those places. We know where they are. But if you want to go to a church where you can be used, that you can have your purpose realized, like we believe that is Chanel. I mean, think about if you're a visitor here, how often, once JJ realizes that you're a visitor, you're going to get a reference from the front. We don't do that to embarrass people, but to recognize that you are seen, that you are valued, that you have a place here at this congregation if you want it to. Again, that's why we believe that you are invited to a purpose, not just a seat. But welcoming in word is different than welcoming in practice. Because when you welcome others, how you welcome them, it matters. At times, welcoming is taken for granted. What a lot of churches do to welcome people into their community now is that they open their doors on Sunday mornings. And they're like, we have done the hard work. The doors are unlocked. They are open. Come on, masses. Come on in. But many churches believe that that's the only thing that you have to do. But as a church that identifies welcoming as a key part of our vision, we need to consider how we welcome individuals from parking lot to parking lot. What that means is how people are welcomed from the time that they park their car, open their doors, come in this building on our campus to the time that they leave. The idea of parking lot to parking lot. This is a a culture, not just simply something that we do, but something that we are. And doing it isn't easy. It takes focus and, more importantly, intentionality. Now, to stress this, I want to share my favorite television show right now, The Bear. I don't know how many of you have seen this show. Probably not great for the kids, but we're adults in here. So uh, it's a show about a guy who takes over his brother's restaurant. His brother's restaurant is hyper-dysfunctional. It is a kitchen that is out of control. It is a mess. All types of violations are happening inside this kitchen. And season two, which is what they've just recently completed, is about the main character taking the restaurant from this disorganized element to a Michelin star restaurant. And so in uh, episode seven of this most recent uh, season, it's called The Fork. And it is where they send the most dysfunctional character in the entire cast to a Michelin star restaurant to learn how a Michelin star restaurant is run. Now, the episode revolves around a smudge found on a fork. And it's, it's funny because these, these really serious individuals who are making amazing food and doing an amazing hospitality experience are so concerned about a smudge found on a fork. That's the whole point of the episode. But in that particular episode, I saw this language here in one of the kitchens that every second counts. I, I found this online and bought it from my office. Not from like them, Amber. It was from Etsy. Um, I found a, a replica of this and I put this in my office. It's the thing that I see every time I sit at my desk. I see this sign, every second counts. Because as we become a church that, that our vision is focused on welcoming, we have to understand that every moment that we are here, it matters. And I don't, mean, I don't mention this phrase to add pressure, but more so a helpful reminder that when we are here, we are here. We have each other's focus, we have our, each other's attention, and that we will do everything within our power to make individuals know that they are welcomed and they are valued. The same way that Danny Burleson and Bert ran this church. Letting people know that you have a place and that you have a purpose. But it just can't be a few people. 
It's got to be a thing that we all do as members of Chanel. And that's the thing that makes me the proudest about being a member and a minister here, is that I know that I'm not the only one that is concerned and driving this church to be a welcoming congregation. I see it in how you look at visitors, and how when people come to church, you hear those conversations of, hey, they came here with a family. Let them know about the other families. Like, we are being intentional, we are being welcoming when we do those things. And if right now you are thinking of different ideas and methods of how we can improve those welcoming practices, don't hold them in. Share them, water them, and watch them grow with us. But the idea of welcoming is not just something that we see on television shows or something that we hear in culture. We also see it within Scripture. Paul writes this to the Church of Rome, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. And then finally, another passage here from the comeback effect from Jason Young. He writes that when you intentionally understand the who and let that inform your why, you inevitably create a more remarkable and targeted experience of hospitality. As a church that has decided that welcoming is a part of who we want to be and who we will continue to be moving forward, it's important that we know who are who is. Who are our prospective members? Who are people that will fit at Chanel? Who are people that we, we think will fit within this community and grow within this community? I love the words of Jason Young because it again stresses that intentionality that comes along with welcoming. See, a church that welcomes others that may not look like them is one that is Christ-focused. All throughout Scripture, there has been a powerful, resounding message that there is beauty in our differences. This beauty in our differences is something that stretches us. It makes us better people, and it also expands the kingdom of God. Look at what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And this is what Jesus says, excuse me. Look at what Jesus says instead of Paul. Jesus says this about, like, about appreciating people that are like you. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus' words remind us that it's easy to welcome those that we like. But as a church, we may have to welcome people that have differences than us. And this is not something new. This is not something that is just, just happening within our culture, but it's something that Paul dealt with. In the, his letter to the church of Galatia, Paul writes, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's break that down just a little bit. Those first two verses, 26 and 27, again, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Paul is emphasizing this idea that, yeah, you're different. You have different skills, you have different abilities, you have different interests and passions. But when you come to church, you're unified. There's something within you that brings you together. And for Paul, it's, it's your baptism. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, Paul is addressing this church that they're coming together and they all, they're all different. So you need to realize that, yeah, like you're all different, but Christ is bringing you together and making you one. 
So when Paul continues that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He, in this context, is laying it all out there. We can easily do that with the differences that we even have in this congregation this morning. I'm not going to, because that's dangerous and that would be reckless. But my point is that Paul, is in their context, is referencing all the differences that they have, that they've divided themselves with. He said, you've divided yourselves, but God is trying to bring you together and realize that you're supposed to be welcoming each other as one. And in this section, too, about welcoming, Sam Alberry wrote this, It is impossible to be in Christ and not belong to others. A Christian, by definition, has a connection with and a responsibility to other Christians. You cannot claim Christ and avoid his people. This, of course, is referenced in Brett McCracken's Uncomfortable. But I'd add another layer to that to kind of continue on this welcoming theme that we're on this morning. That it is impossible to be in Christ and not welcome others. This is not an issue that we have at this congregation. We are a welcoming congregation. But what I'm stressing this morning is we want that to define us. When people hear about Chanel, one of the things that we want them to know is that we are a transformed people that we have had encounters and baptisms with Christ, that we are no longer the old selves that we, we once were, that we are new creations in Christ. But we also, in the second phase of this vision, we want them to understand that we are a welcoming congregation, that when you are here, you feel like family, that when you are here, you are seen, and that your purposes and greater desires and passions are realized, because that is the type of people that we are. And to stress this point, I want to do something that I'm calling the Holy Trinity of Chicken. Some of you are listening, some of you are not. I believe, you're about to be surprised, I believe that this idea of welcoming can be easily communicated through different chicken restaurants. Do this by this. If I were to ask you, you can speak out at this point, if I were to ask you to name a chicken restaurant that is overly hospitable, that their whole function as a chicken restaurant is to let you know that they are glad that you are there. They're smiling. They've got those red vests on, red shirts possibly. What am I talking about? Chick-fil-A. I heard that. I'm getting there. I'm getting there, Rylan. Chick-fil-A. If we were to talk about a, a restaurant that is uber hospitable, our minds, besides Rylan's, go to Chick-fil-A. That has been Truett Cathy's desire. When Truett Cathy started Chick-fil-A, what he cared about the most is that people felt welcomed when they came in. You saw it in the way that they trained their employees, the way that their managers treated their employees. Every part of their identity was around hospitality. That is who they are. That is their identity. And so I believe, without a doubt, that churches need to do this as well. This belief that a part of who we are lets you know that you are welcomed here, that you have a place here. But if I were to ask you, give me a, a restaurant that, that thrives on simplicity, and that it also is a little bit fun. So simplicity and fun, which one am I talking about? Thank you, uh, Cole Hastings for the win. Raising Cane's. I love Raising Cane's. As you can tell, I'm talking all about fried chicken here. It's how I was raised and it's who I am. Raising Cane's was created by a man named Todd Graves in Louisiana. 
Todd Graves presented the idea of a simple chicken restaurant in his business class, and he failed the class. His, his professor told him, this will never work. People want a bunch of options. People want a lot of different choices when it comes to sides. And Todd Graves said, no, I don't think they do. And so if you've ever been to Raising Cane's, you can get chicken tenders, you can get coleslaw, fries, and bread. They've got some great lemonade, too. But the idea is around simplicity. See, Todd Graves was around LSU, and he knew that after a long night of studying, college students wanted simplicity. And he built his whole restaurant and his whole business model around simplicity. When it comes to welcoming, churches need to do that too. We don't need to make the access points in congregations difficult. They need to be easy and simple and also fun. If you've ever gone through a drive through at Raising Cane's, the second you pull up, they say, chicken, 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 which combo you picking? Try saying that without a smile. Some of you are right there. You're like, I'm going to Cane's after this. But I, I present that to say, Raising Cane's represents ease, simplicity, but also fun. Now, if I were to ask you one more, I promise, one more restaurant that does not pride themselves on being perfect in the slightest, but makes pretty good chicken. Ryland, do you want to say it? It's Popeye's. Ryland. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I teed you up, Ryland, and uh, you left me hanging. But the one that, oh, <laughs> sorry. If I were to ask you about a restaurant that does not pride themselves on perfection, but makes pretty darn good chicken, it's going to be Popeye's. When I moved here, uh, Whitney did not move with me. So when I moved to Little Rock, Whitney stayed in Kentucky to finish out her teaching contract. And I lived at the apartments on Pleasant Ridge, right by the, the Bonefish Grill, kind of, you know what we're talking about. And, and every night we would talk on the phone, and Whitney would say, hey, what'd you do for dinner tonight? And I would lie, and I would say, I had a salad or ate something healthy. But almost every night, I was going to what I called gas station Popeye's. The one, so some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The gas station Popeye's over there by the, the Roadrunner gas station, right there off Cantrell. I would go there a lot, probably too much, probably a sad amount, honestly. But I never went to that Popeye's expecting my order to be correct. I, I went to that Popeye's knowing that at times I would get really good food. But I never really went there thinking, okay, if I go to this drive-thru and I ask for a number one, that that's what I'm going to get. I've stressed that point to say, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have everything figured out. There are perfect churches out there, and we know that because they'll tell us that they are. Right? You guys get the joke? We don't have to be perfect. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, we do not have to be perfect in any means. But we do have to produce good food. The, the stressing point here of Popeye's is, is obviously to make light on a lot of our Popeye's experiences, but more so to say that a lot of times when it comes to welcoming, that we have to present ourselves as these perfect people. We are not. What we have to be is honest. I think as a congregation, when we allow vision to be a part of our, our we allow welcoming to be a part of our vision, we have to recognize that we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. We have to realize that we want to make it easy for people to, to come within our community, to be a part of who we are, and to have fun while they're doing it. But we also want to make sure that people know that they are going to be welcomed here. This uber hospitality that says every second counts when you're here. 
I'm going to end with one last passage here from Hebrews chapter 13, where the writer of Hebrews gives us this, this very powerful reminder about welcoming and creating hospitality. Where the writer of Hebrews says this, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. As believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to welcome people. As members and shareholders of Chenal Valley Church, we want this to be a part of our identity and our vision. So we do those three things. We make sure people know that they are welcomed here. We make sure that they know that they can get ingrained and filled into these different ministry areas that we want to thrive with ease. We want to have fun while we're doing it. We want to know that we also want to share that we are not perfect, but we do serve a perfect God. Let's stand and sing together.